Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Kia ora and welcome to the Kiwi Birth Tales podcast. I am your host, Jordan. I am mum to two beautiful little boys, Jai and Ali. I also host the Your Birth Project online hypnobirthing course and the Mini Kiwis First Aid course for parents of under five-year-olds. And I have an online store attached to Your Birth Project, which encompasses everything pregnancy, birth and postpartum related. So just absolutely love that side of the business. I'm also a very, very passionate storyteller and a lover of all things birth. So hence why I am leading you on this podcast. I'm not an advocate for any particular type of birth or model of birth care. I am simply here to hold space for this platform for you to share your beautiful stories with us all. You'll hear stories of joy, of heartbreak, of love, of loss, and each family has a different experience to share. I'm trying to bring to light stories that we often only tell in the darkest of places or to our closest of friends, but really are so important for everybody to hear. So I hope that you love the podcast of these beautiful families all over Aotearoa and I will let you jump into the podcast now. Enjoy. In today's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales I speak with Natalie and she takes us through her pregnancy and birth story not only with her own sons but with the surrogacy journey that she did with Mark and Christian who are at love from your dads with little baby Lulu. So It's a pretty jam-packed episode. We talk a lot about the surrogacy experience and that pregnancy and birth and then answer some questions that we had come through on Instagram before we recorded the episode just about the surrogacy and her feelings and what the pregnancy and birth was like and what things have been like for her postpartum. So I really loved recording this episode. I know you're going to enjoy it and I'd love to hear your feedback. If you want to send me a message on at KiwiBirthTales on Instagram or KiwiBirthTales at gmail.com on email, I'd love to hear from you. This episode of KiwiBirthTales is proudly sponsored by She Moves. She Moves pre- and postnatal exercise specialists Ren and Jen are passionate about supporting New Zealand mums to exercise throughout pregnancy and return safely postpartum. I am such a huge fan of Ren and Jen and She Moves. I have followed them for a really long time and yeah, we've been in touch um, via Instagram quite a bit. So I'm really excited that they're on board as sponsors this week. Their online program is delivered through Facebook and it can be done at home. You don't need any equipment and it's only $10 per month. So members have access to pre and postnatal yoga, strength workouts and pelvic floor exercises core restore sessions and it's all designed to help mums rebuild from the inside out. She Moves cater for all mums including those with postnatal injuries such as abdominal separation and prolapses. They were two-time award winners at the 2021 New Zealand Industry Exercise Awards for their service to Kiwi mums and have been endorsed by multiple women's health physios. Ren and Jen share five children between them and know that exercising after birth can be overwhelming and their mission is to break it down, make it simple and achievable. 
She Moves have a special offer to get you all moving and you can use the code KiwiBirthTales to get your first month free. So head over to www.she-moves.co.nz and follow the She Moves at SheMovesNZ on Instagram. Again, a huge thank you to Ren and Jen from She Moves for sponsoring this week's episode of the podcast. I am super grateful and I would love for you all to check them out. Hi, Nat. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. No problem. Would you like to tell the listeners a little bit about you and who is in your family? Yeah, sure. So I'm Natalie, or Nat as everyone calls me. Um, I'm a single mum of three boys. So I've got Cooper, he's uh, 15, Mateo is 10, and Benji is five, turning six next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we live on the North Shore in Auckland, and I'm currently working as an executive assistant. And on the side, uh, I run an Instagram account called One in a Bullion, which basically um, talked about my journey, sharing like the ups and downs, uh, postpartum, and just everyday mum life. Yeah, awesome, cool. And another big reason why we are here today is because you were a surrogate. So um, do you just want to give us a very brief overview of who that was for and when that was? Yeah, so um, it was for Mark and Christian. Uh, We started our journey back in March 2020 now. It feels like a lifetime ago. (laughs) Um, So it, it was a lot that went into it you've um got to obviously meet the family I'd actually never met Mark and Christian before Mm -hmm. I randomly messaged them one night uh didn't think that anybody would answer it and I just (laughs) kind of put myself out there and Christian answered it and we just kind of got chatting and it started from there and it was almost like you were dating (laughs) in a way um you get to know each other, you get to know each other's families, um, what you're like, what, um, you know, you're uh, looking for in the surrogacy and things like that. And just that you're all on the right page uh, together. So there was also counselling, we had to meet with lawyers, um, we had to go through Oranga Tamariki, and then we went through Ethics Committee. And that was all before we could even do the <laughs> transfer. <laughs> Yeah, and when did, we'll go through it in a little bit more detail a little bit later on, but um, when did you give birth? So I gave birth on November the 10th, uh, 2021. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, almost three months ago now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. Cool. Well, would you like to talk us through um, a little bit about your first three pregnancies and births and, um, yeah, what those experiences were like before we talk through your surrogacy? Yeah, yeah. So Copa, I was a really young mum and when I had Copa and the the birth towards that, I was very passionate about trying to do, um, you know, the natural way, no drugs and all that mm. sort of thing. Um, I was very naive about um, how it all went uh, just from being so young and I went for labour for about 22 hours and it just didn't seem to want to happen for me so it was an emergency c-section it was I felt like everything was taken out of my control Mm. and I really struggled with that part um just not knowing uh what was you know what it entails Mm. 
So with uh, Mateo and Benji, I decided that it was best for me that uh, we just did an elective C-section. And it was such a more empowering moment for me because I was in control. I knew exactly what was happening. Mm. I could hear everyone talking and I was just more level-headed all about it. Yeah, yeah. And did you have any um, pregnancy complications in any of those three pregnancies or were they all pretty sort of standard as far as pregnancy goes? Copas was super straightforward. Um, it was just, there was no morning sickness, um, yeah. no complications whatsoever. Mateo was, um, it was pretty straightforward. However, I think I was about 13 or 14 weeks and I woke up and I was covered in blood and yeah. I was asleep and I woke up. Uh, my husband or my then husband had come home and he was just like, oh, my God. And we actually thought we had lost Mateo. Mm. Um, and I, it was um, – I can't quite remember the term that they had used, but basically there was just like this sack of blood inside me that had just collected. Mm. And, um, yeah, and everything was fine. It was quite a scary moment um, for me. And the same thing actually happened with Benji. Um, except for it was a lot worse and it was yeah it was quite scary quite triggering for me thinking Mm. you know you're are are we losing our baby yeah Um, so we're really thankful that you know we have our three boys and it was all yeah fine in the end yeah 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 cool and so you've obviously had um your last boy five almost six years ago um Did you ever think back then that you'd have the desire to be a surrogate? Like, was that something that you had um, had crossed your mind or was it something more recent? Um, it's something that I'd always thought about doing probably since my early 20s. Yeah. I just wasn't sure how to get amongst it. Mm. Who, do I, who do I talk to? How do I find the right family? And there there just wasn't enough information Mm. out there. So I just thought, oh, it's just something I want to do. But if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Yeah, yeah, cool. And so did you, like, follow Mark and Christian or, like, how did that um, connection come about? Yeah, so I did follow them and I followed them uh, since the early days. I think Alicia was still pregnant with Frankie. Oh, cool. And so it was pretty much right from the start. Yeah. And just followed their journey and just thought, what an incredible family. Mm. And it was then I started really thinking more about surrogacy. And it wasn't even, you know, if it was just going to be for them. It mm. was just, this is an amazing thing. Like, it's something I really do, really want to do. Um, and then, yeah, in March 2020, uh, it was about... I still remember it was like nine o'clock at night and we'd (laughs) just gone into level four lockdown, our very first one. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to message them. They might not answer. That's okay. But I'm going to take that plunge. And if if they don't answer, that's okay. Like I'll start looking for avenues on, on how I can do the surrogacy for Mm. someone. Um, And yeah, Christian answered it and it just kind of all went from there. 
Yeah. And so what did you actually say? Were you like, um, I'm interested in being a surrogate for you or how did that? It was so, such a weird thing to kind of slide into DMs <laughs> and like, you know, yeah. offer your uterus to someone. Yeah. Um, so I said something along the lines of, you know, Frankie really needs a sibling. Um, I'm really happy to be your surrogate if that's something that you guys are wanting to go down. And Christian was like, oh, you know, yeah, definitely need to talk to Mark about that. He really does need a sibling. Thanks for the offer. And I was like, yeah, I've had three kids. So this is kind of like my last chance to to have another baby. Um, and I'd love to help someone. He's like, oh, you're serious. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm serious. Yeah, yeah, awesome. And so I know you talked through earlier a little bit about the process, but um, I know that there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot involved in, yeah. <laughs> in becoming a surrogate. So do you want to talk us through what sort of happened from there after that initial conversation? Yeah, so we uh, met up in probably May of 2020 just to kind of meet face-to-face, I guess feel each other's vibe and, mm-hmm. and how it all worked and just really talked about everything together. We made an appointment with Fertility Associates and it, and it was just to make sure that I was able to carry another baby safely because yeah. I'd had three C-sections previously and this one was going to have to be another C-section. Yeah. Um, so that was my my first thing. I was really worried that they would turn around and say, no, like you can't have another C-section. Mm. But thankfully, <laughs> um, I could. So um, there was so many doctor appointments with fertility associates and, you know, you go through your blood tests and things like that. Um, when you, that all comes back clear and they're like, okay, this is cool, we can start the, the actual journey now, mm. um, we had three counselling appointments. So two of them were just by myself and they needed to be um, with one month in between each session. And then the third one is with your IPs, which is intending parents. Mm -hmm. And that's just to make sure that you're all on the same page. You thoroughly understand the processes of everything. So you also need to meet with lawyers. And that's just so that you understand um, our ridiculous adoption and surrogacy laws Mm. here in New Zealand. They're just so outdated. And that's just to make sure that we know that we can't be paid for it here yeah. in New Zealand. Um, they can't gift you anything. So at the end of it, they couldn't say, um, here's a trip around the world. Thanks for being sure. a surrogate. So that would yeah. be seen as payment. Yeah. Um, then I have to meet with um, Oranga Tamariki. And that's just so that they, so I know what happens after uh, the baby would go home with their family. And, then we go after all that's done and this can take up to about a year yeah, as yeah. well then you go through ethics committee and you put all your paperwork in together and it goes based you know it's submitted to ethics mm-hmm. this is a, a council of doctors and specialists and it, it's really hard because you don't actually get to meet these people mm. it's just a, in a boardroom and all they see is paper And we have to wait uh, to hear if we are either approved, denied, or we get deferred. And it can take um, about four to five weeks to hear back from them. So it is a really long time. It's quite nerve-wracking and you feel like, you know, you can't breathe the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And so what sort of happened from there when you heard um, 
when you heard back from them, was it sort of all go or did you have to wait a little while or yeah, what happened next? Yeah, so I got the call from Christian um, probably 10 days after it was submitted. So it happened really fast. Yeah. We were really lucky that we got such a quick answer. Mm. Uh, I remember I was filling up my car and I get this call from Christian <laughs> and he's like, how's it going? I didn't really expect it. was just, I thought it was just your, your normal catch up yeah. call. And he was like, oh my God, guess what? I was like, <laughs> what? What's going on? Is, is everything okay? He's like, we're approved. I'm like, what? For what? And he's like, we got through ethics. So I was like, <laughs> oh my God. So it was such a great, um, Great call. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. then it kind of all just started from there. We waited, I think, about a month. Yeah. Then we had to wait um, till my period started. Yeah. So once my period started, I had to ring Fertility Associates and tell them that it had started. And then you do bloods for about seven to ten days. And that's just to make sure that your levels are all rising mm-hmm. and um, that you're ovulating. So on about day four or day five, Fertility Associates rang me. I was at work and they said, look, um, I think your levels aren't rising enough and we think that we've actually missed your ovulation window Mm. and we don't think we can do your transfer this month. It's going to have to be next month and we advise that you do the manufactured cycle. I was just like, no, no, that's not right. Like it. I have quite a long cycle it's mm. about 32 days and I said no I haven't ovulated yet and they're like look you don't need to do your bloods anymore and I rang Christian and I told him what had happened and he's like well what do you reckon I was like I don't think I've ovulated yet mm. and it was the weekend as well and most of the laboratory the blood laboratories are closed yeah so I had to go to one of the main ones which was um in this in Auckland City and I just went for it anyway and I'm so glad I did it because that was where they really peaked mm. and I hadn't missed my ovulation window and I peaked which meant that everything was on track as it yeah. should have been and once I had peaked I had to do one more test and it was just to see if it started going the level started dipping down again mm. and then you go into Fertility Associates and you have um, uh, another scan and that one's a vaginal scan and that's just to check for your uterus lining and things like that to make sure that it's all thick and luscious for that <laughs> transfer. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And so do you want to talk us through what the transfer actually involves? Yep. So... We went to Facility Associates. Um, I took the day off work and I remember them saying, oh, you don't need to take the day off work. This is Fertility Associates saying this and said, oh, you can go back to work afterwards. And I felt really weirded out that you could just mm-hmm. do that. I thought, oh, no, I've got to go lie down and, you know, make sure everything's good. But, um, yeah, it was a really chilled day. I met with Mark and Christian at Fertility Associates at, and, um, yeah, went in and it was like a – like a little clinical room and nothing too high tech in there. (laughs) Um, Everyone was really happy and it was a real chill vibe. And the transfer took maybe about 10 minutes to do. And that was it. And it was like, (laughs) that was the easiest thing to do. So then um, that's when you wait for 10 days 
um, to find out if you're pregnant or not. Yeah, yeah, amazing. And was it like a nervous 10 days for you and did you expect it to work the first time? I was hoping it was going to work the first Mm. time. It was a really nerve-wracking 10 days. Um, I thought ethics committee was was hard waiting but once mm. you have somebody else's baby in you and the like the weight is on your shoulders of um hoping that it works and it wasn't even the pressure from the guys like they were so chill and just mm. checking in daily how are you feeling it was the pressure on me yeah. that and on my body that I was like this has to work like this is somebody's dream that I'm holding mm. so um yeah, my friends and my family were amazing. They'd check on me daily, just make sure that I'm okay and, um, you know, I'm not sitting down and stirring on it and just kind of waiting around. And I think it really helped as well that I was working um, over that time too. So yeah. I just tried to keep my mind really busy. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, um, do you want to talk us through finding out the results and, and how you were feeling and, yeah, what happened from there? Yeah, so about day five or day six, I started feeling like I was pregnant and I was quite bloated and that was quite a big sign for me. That's always what's happened um, in my pregnancies. And uh, it was was on day 10 and I was like, today's the day. They're just going to be like, yep, you're pregnant. And... Christian rings me and he's like, guess what? We're having a baby in November. <laughs> and I was like, this is amazing. Unfortunately, the guys were actually on holiday. Oh. And the plan was we were all going to get together and take the phone call together. Yeah. Um, but I wanted, because uh, they were away, I wanted Fertility Associates to call them first to tell them their news. Yeah, I already felt in myself that I already knew. Uh, but Christian, you know, just rang to to confirm the amazing news. Mm, yeah, awesome, cool. And how was your first trimester? Was it different to um, your previous three pregnancies? And yeah, what sort of symptoms did you have? Um, I think it was quite similar to my three boys, but I mean, it, mentally, it's a different journey because mm. you've. I felt like there was just so much weight on my shoulders, especially with that first trimester as well. Mm. But it was very similar. Um, I'm really thankful that I didn't have much um, morning sickness. There was like a little a little patch maybe of about two weeks. Yeah, uh, I was quite tired. And that's just your general um, first trimester. But it was, yeah, it was pretty good. Mm. Yeah, awesome. And did you have a midwife or an obstetrician? So originally we were talking about an obstetrician, uh, but then we decided. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That we would go with a midwife this time. And I'd always had a midwife myself. And I felt it was better just to consistently have a good relationship with a midwife 
I know if you go for an obstetrician, you meet with all of the team and you don't really know who's going to be there on on each day and things like that. So we had the amazing Katie Hawkey as our midwife and we just all hit it off straight away. Mm. Awesome. Very cool. I love Katie. (laughs) She's awesome, yeah. Yeah, cool. And so what happened from there throughout the rest of your pregnancy? Did you have any other complications pop up and how were you feeling? Yeah, so when I was about, I must have been about seven or eight weeks at this stage, and I remember going to the bathroom and I noticed blood and my heart sunk, Mm. seen blood, and, you know, it kind of flashed me back to my children when I I had the blood and I was like, oh, my Mm. God. And I rang the guy straight away and I was like, this is what's just happened. So they're freaking out because I've just mentioned blood and I'm freaking out because I have no answers for them. And I rang fertility associates and we decided that the next day that we would go in and have a scan. And it was, yeah, I must have been seven weeks and we were really lucky that the little baby in there had a great strong heartbeat everything was looking amazing and there was nothing for me to worry about so that was yeah quite um quite an overwhelming Mm. experience and then about two weeks later I again went to the bathroom and this time there was even more blood and you never quite know what to to think it's yeah. like, is this normal is this not and I remembered this time about how stressed out the guys were yeah. and I wanted to have the answers for them first before yeah, I just yeah. went oh my god I'm bleeding again so I rang fertility associates let them know what was going on and um, I rang Mark and Christian back uh, I rang them and said look I don't want to alarm you I am having bleeding. It's a lot heavier this time. I've rung fertility associates already and we've got Mm. a plan in place and we're going to go in tomorrow again and have another scan just to make sure everything's all good. And thankfully, once again, the little baby in there was um, super strong, super good heartbeat and everything was looking fine and there was nothing more to worry about with the bleeding Mm. side. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And were Christian and Mark planning on finding out the sex of their baby and were you sort of on board with that or, yeah, what happened there? Yeah, so they were pretty keen to find out uh, the sex of their baby. I wasn't too phased. It was their decision um, on that. So we did the NIPT test and I actually hadn't done one before, so it was quite Mm. interesting and – yeah, we had what Christian called a sex party. <laughs> uh, and, we, you know, all their family and friends got together. I invited my friends and my family. So it was just like this one big village and this huge party. And it was so cool seeing everyone come together just yeah. out of sheer love for for the their family and mm. this baby. And I don't think the guys know this. <laughs> Yeah. So when we were about to do the reveal, whether they were having a boy or a girl, they were sitting, I still remember this, they were sitting <laughs> under this, um, there was like a big pole and there was a bucket and they were sitting underneath it. And it was a black bucket. 
so that no one could see what was inside. And there was some black tape above on the pole. And I remember seeing the reflection of the colour. And I was, <laughs> and I'm so glad I had sunglasses on because my eyes <laughs> almost fell out of my head. And I'm trying to keep myself composed. And I'm just like trying not to scream in excitement for them. Yeah. And uh, we tipped, Frankie and I tipped, um, like it was like a paint of some sort mm-hmm. on them. And uh, they were having a little girl. Awesome. Cool. And one of the questions that popped up on Instagram was, did Mark and Christian have any like preferences around the things that you were doing when you were pregnant or what you were eating or, yeah, just the general, general lifestyle that you were living? Yeah, they no, they were super chilled about everything. And I guess for them it was really hard because they didn't have any control over what I mm. could do with my body. They were also aware that I had been pregnant three times before and all my pregnancies were really straightforward. Yeah. So they trusted me on what I was doing, but I felt like for myself I was really careful with what I ate myself or um, what types of drinks I was drinking. Mm. I was making sure I wasn't drinking too much coffee or I wasn't drink. I don't drink uh, uh, what's it called? Sports like oh like energy God. drinks. Yeah, energy drinks and yeah. things like that. So um, I was just terrified of anything happening to their daughter. So I was very, very careful of you know eating all the right foods and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Um. So yeah, they were they were fine. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And towards the end of your pregnancy, um, did you have many plans on who would be? in the room with you for your cesarean and what did that look like yeah so when I was about seven months pregnant we actually went into a level four lockdown Mm. and that was probably the hardest part of my journey yeah was being in lockdown with somebody else's child and Mm. you know you go to appointments by yourself and I felt so guilty that they couldn't be there so it would always be on FaceTime or I'd send them, um, you know, photos and things yeah. like that. So we decided uh, because it was going to be an elective C-section, generally you can only have one person in the room. We were a very different case since there was yeah. two parents waiting to see their baby. And in the mix of that, we had the level four lockdown at that stage. So we weren't sure what was happening with lockdown. Yeah. So I really, really wanted both of Mark and Christian to be there, but I also wanted a support person for Mm. myself as well. That was really important that I had my Mm. needs met too. Uh, So it it was such a hard decision and we weren't really sure what was going to happen. So we had a couple of uh, meetings with the hospital just to try and figure out what we could actually do. So we came up with a plan of my friend, Kaziah, being there. She was my support person and she was going to be there for the epidural. And just as they were starting to, you know, open me up and then she was going to be taken out of the room and then the guys were going to be brought in so that they could be there for that moment of seeing their daughter born. Um, so that was kind of the plan that was going to happen. And at the very last minute, it all changed um, when I was actually in the operating theatre. It happened so fast. And I remember because I hanging onto my hand and, you know, telling me, you know, you're doing such a great job. 
and you know she's going to be here in a moment and she was still holding my hand and I was thinking oh my god you've got to get out of here like the guys need to be here to see their daughter and then I hear that um the baby crying and I was like oh my gosh and I look up over my head and Mark and Christian are standing there and I was was like this is incredible I'm crying everyone's crying (laughs) so it's all really worked out yeah yeah amazing and so what happened um from there obviously I know COVID lockdown probably made things um even more difficult but do you want to talk us through how long you spent in the hospital and um were Mark and Christian and yeah it was definitely a different journey this time uh being pregnant and having COVID restrictions so I was had my own room and Mark and Christian also had their own room at the Mm -hmm. hospital I'm sure the staff were like oh my god there was just there were so many people around us um and so (laughs) I was a little bit upset I remember coming to the hospital coming into my room and it was about seven o'clock when we arrived at the hospital I hardly slept the night before I was you know mixed emotions and excited and nervous and things like that and I walk into the room and it was set up for a baby to be in there and I was like what's going on and I remember ringing my midwife and I was like the you know the baby's not staying with me is she and they're like oh no 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 that's just how the hospital's like set it up I'm really sorry uh the guys had their own room Mm. and they were able to stay at the hospital both Mark and Christian which was really incredible yeah awesome Cool. And how are you feeling? Like, obviously, you've gone from being pregnant to giving birth, and then you're um, you're ex- sort of recovering from your C-section, and you're still in hospital. So, yeah, how did you how did you feel? I I felt fine. It was. I mean, I've had three C-sections before, so I I did mm. know what to expect, and I think the the positive for me in that situation was that I wasn't tired from looking after a baby so it was Mm. just like I had this major surgery and it was almost kind of like my mind had blanked out the part where I'd actually given birth as well for me it was just this huge surgery that I just had so the Mm. main focus for me was just purely on me and I didn't need to worry about caring for a baby because she was with her parents being cared for so I just got to focus on Mm. myself so the recovery journey was a lot different this time. So I stayed in hospital uh, just for one night. And yeah. then we went to birth care in Walkworth. And the day of us leaving, well, that we had planned to leave um, the hospital, my C-section wound was bleeding like so much. Mm. And I remember the midwife, the midwife that was on a call at the hospital and she came in to check on it. And the first thing she said was, Oh, and I kind of looked at her and I was like, what do you mean? Oh, Mm. you know, that's something you never want to hear. And she's like, Oh, it's just, there's a lot of blood. Like I don't think I've ever seen this before. And here's me freaking out because that is not what you want to hear. So the midwife, comes in to check on my wound before I could leave the hospital and she took the dressing off the main dressing and she kind of looked down and was just like oh and I looked at her and I was like what do you mean oh and (laughs) it's something you don't really want to ever hear 
someone say after you've just had this major surgery. So I'm stressing mm. out. There's doctors coming in and they're, they're coming in and leaving. I'm trying to ring my midwife to just to get that reassurance. Is this normal? And so she decides to come in just to just to see me and, you know, make sure that everything's okay as well. And mm. I had to stay in a few hours longer just to make sure, like they changed all my dressing just to make sure that everything was okay. It was still bleeding more than they wanted it to be, but they weren't worried about it at that stage as well. So yeah. um, we went up to Walkworth birthing center i'd actually never been there before and highly recommend it the staff there are just so incredible and it was just like this real homely feel the food was amazing um it was just it was such a great experience being there awesome cool and did you plan on um expressing or were you planning on having your milk sort of dry up or yeah what was the plan around everything breastfeeding we had to talk about this during our counseling sessions and this is why the counseling yes. part is super important because you talk about all these types of um things that can come up in pregnancy so yeah. i had said to the guys look if you do want me to express for you i'm happy to do that and they're like nah we're just going to go straight with formula cool i'm i'm down yes. with that so um they had said you know if if you could, could you um, provide us with colostrum? And mm. absolutely sure, I can do that. I had no idea I was gonna, how I was going to do it because I didn't even know that colostrum collecting was a thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was, yeah, so I was able to um, collect quite a bit of colostrum. And yeah. Um, yeah, Lulu just, she had it all in one day. Like she ate. <laughs> so, much. so she was yeah. a very healthy baby and um yeah, yeah I was able to give her all that so I was really thankful that I could do that for her yeah awesome cool and did you take anything I know there's a pill or pills that you can take to try and dry up your milk so were you doing that yeah afterwards? so I had just come out of surgery and and probably a couple of hours later they gave me um, some medication to dry up my milk and yeah it worked for me and my milk never came in I didn't have to worry about you know the engorgement or leaky um, breasts or anything like that it just dried up and that was that yeah awesome cool and how were you feeling when you got home and yeah what did your postpartum recovery look like and um, did you still notice the big hormone shifts that usually happen after a baby what what happened yeah so after we left the Walkworth birthing center I was really lucky and I was able to stay next door to Mark and Christian's house and we stayed there for I think it was about seven days and it was just so that I could get some help um with my children because I had Mateo and Benji staying with me and just if yeah. I needed something. So uh, we were there and we just kind of all hung out for for seven days. And it was really, I think it was really important for me too to see her uh, in her home with her family. And it just was, every time I would go over to see them, you know, it was just like, oh, yeah, I am just going to pop over and, and see my friends and, mm. and their baby. And I really left my mind open to 
let me feel mentally how I needed to feel and I wasn't sure how I was going to be or anything like that and I surprised myself and and I was okay about everything I had a little bit of um you know the day three blues and it was nothing to do with you know having the baby it was just sort of Mm. everything else that was happening in my life at the time there was just a lot going on and I think it was more a sense of being super overwhelmed and yeah yeah but it it passed and the guys were really amazing they would you know bring me breakfast in bed I could have got used to that Um, (laughs) and you know dinner cooked for me and yeah we just kind of just chilled for those days and I, and I really I honestly can say I really needed that to see see all yeah, that yeah 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 awesome cool and was there any stage like I, this is a popular question that comes up around surrogacy was there any like part of your pregnancy or postpartum where you felt like connected to Lulu in a way that you didn't expect to as in you knew that you were her surrogate but was there any time that you felt like sad or um, yeah connected in a way that you didn't expect? Yeah, it's a great question. I get asked that a lot as well. I right from the start knew that this was never going to be my baby, and I'd really yeah. put that in my mind. And before up to the transfer, I thought, you know, if there's any doubt in my mind, this is the time now to pull out. And I never yeah. had that moment of, oh, my God, maybe I can't, like, hand back the baby to them or anything yeah. like that. So I knew that I was going to be okay. So I never felt connected to her at all. Um, yeah. Sometimes, you know, there were days where I forget I'm pregnant. And I think it's a really hard thing for people to get that grasp of, oh, but you're carrying a baby. Like, why aren't you connected mm-hmm. to to the baby and I honestly believe that surrogates are wired differently and we have that ability to you know turn off that maternal feeling and we have a job to do and the job for me was to be the vessel and carry this baby for the family and get her safely home so once Lulu arrived I still wasn't sure how I was going to feel seeing her and yeah. When I saw her, I was just like, oh, my gosh, she's so cute. I mean, who doesn't love a newborn baby as well? But, you know, like yeah. seeing her and I was hugging her and just looking at her and she's she is so beautiful, like such a beautiful baby. Yeah. But I still didn't feel connected. And mm. I, I almost feel a bit heartless by not feeling connected to her or, yeah, yeah. or feeling these like emotions of loving her like a mother or anything like that. I absolutely love her, but there was there was nothing drawing me to say, oh, my God, I, I want to mm-hmm. care for this baby. There was nothing like that. Cool. And what do you think was like the hardest part of the surrogacy journey for you? I think the hardest part was definitely been in lockdown and not being able to spend time with Mark and Christian and I feel like it was kind of when they were when we're all hanging out together that was kind of their time to hang out with their daughter at the same time and I remember we got to spend some time together I must have been about 25 26 weeks pregnant and we stayed there for the weekend 
and uh, she'd only just sort of started really kicking and moving around and things like that. And they were able to feel her kick for the first time. And then it was like the next time I saw them, it was like a week out from, from her arriving. And so they'd missed out on so much time and, you know, the appointments and things like that. And that was a really hard thing not being able to see them for that. So that probably would have been the hardest part for me. Yeah, yeah. And what do you think was the most, like, what was the best part of your surrogacy? A hundred percent the birth. And it was, (laughs) it was such a, you know, just chilled day. Uh, Everyone was laughing, everyone's smiling. And, you know, it was just a good atmosphere and, everyone's just riding on a high but the moment mm. of seeing Mark and Christian um oh my god it's gonna make me cry um, <laughs> seeing their daughter for the very first time was just the most empowering moment seeing that and it was it was that whole release for me like oh my god I did it like I did this and mm. It was just such, like, I felt like I could breathe again. You know, their baby was here safely and she was in their arms. And it was just the most incredibly beautiful and empowering moment. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Natalie, for coming on the podcast and sharing your experiences with us. I've really loved talking and um, I know there's a lot of people out there who are really interested in your story. So, yeah, super grateful that you were willing to take the time to talk to me. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode of Kiwi Birth Tales. I really hope that you have enjoyed it. And just another reminder that this week's episode was brought to you by She Moves. Huge thank you, Ren and Jen. And I would just yeah love for you all to go and check them out. So head to www.she-moves.co.nz or follow the She Moves Instagram account at shemovesnz. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.